The South Carolina Gamecocks got a monumental win over the Kentucky Wildcats at Lexington on Saturday night. How did they do it, and what does this mean for the team going forward? I'll be discussing all that today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about on today's show as the South Carolina Gamecocks Got a massive victory over the 13th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats this past weekend. Yes, Kentucky Wildcat fans, we know. You didn't have Will Levis starting at quarterback. I got news for you. He doesn't play defense. We're going to talk about how the Gamecocks got the win over Kentucky on today's show, going over the offense, then the defensive performance. And at the end, I'll talk about what this victory means for the South Carolina Gamecocks moving forward. Forward. So let's go ahead and get right into it with my thoughts on how the offense did against Kentucky. Overall, here's what I'll say. The offense is still a work in progress. There's no question about that. You cannot have five trips in Kentucky's territory in the first half and only get seven points out of those five trips. However, the Gamecocks made plays when they needed to. They did what they had to do in order to win this game at the end of the day. So let's talk about some of the execution to start off with. This offense, from what I've noticed in terms of the running game, they do a great job whenever they are lined up in a bunch formation, and the bunch, basically the three guys lined up in a triangle formation, sort of in their own little set, are lined up closer to the offensive line. Nate Atkins and Austin Stockner, for example, were phenomenal in run blocking on Saturday night. I mean, those guys deserve a ton of credit. They did a great job setting the edge for Marshawn Lloyd, making life a little bit easier on both Dylan Wonham and Jalen Nichols and Ja'Kai Moore on the left side of the offensive line. Those guys did a phenomenal job, and it helped to spring some of these big runs that Marshawn Lloyd got. And don't worry, we're going to discuss Marshawn Lloyd's performance in just a couple of moments. Going to Spencer Rattler real quick in terms of his execution. Spencer Rattler, once again, had a shaky performance. And quite honestly, that might be putting it a little bit nicely. Listen, as I always say, I understand that not all the issues, not all the problems, not every blown up play or breakdown falls on Spencer Rattler. There's no question about that. It's never all on one person. But Spencer Rattler was playing a little bit hesitant in my mind on Saturday night. It seemed like that Rattler was, I don't want to say full-blown scared, but he didn't want to try to make any thread-the-needle type decisions in the first half, especially against the Kentucky Wildcats. And listen, I talked about this on the show last week. Brad White is a really good defensive coordinator. He's so good at what he does because he takes talent that, again, is usually a little bit lower than maybe the opponent that Kentucky is facing week in and week out. And he elevates their play because of the way he schemes up a game plan. He does a really good job 
in that aspect. It's what makes him such a good coach. And it seems like, based on the way a lot of these intermediate to deep pass attempts went in the first half, that Kentucky must have been locking down South Carolina's wide receiver core a really good amount. Again, I don't know that for certain, and it's very hard to sort of discern that when watching the game back because of the regular camera angles that you get from ESPN's broadcasts of these games. However, either way, I have to wonder if the turnovers that have accumulated over the course of the season are starting to sort of sit on Spencer Rattler's mind during these plays. Of course, he did make that throw at the end of the first half to Austin Stogner, or I should say that attempt, where he pretty much just threw it up for grabs and it ended up being picked off by a Kentucky defensive back. Um, he's still got a couple things that he has got to correct. And again, I know this sounds like a broken record at this point, but the biggest thing I've noticed, Spencer Rattler has got to start understanding if he does not have a steady base, if he does not have his feet planted for the most part when he is throwing the football, he's not going to have a steady throw. The amount of times that he tries to make throws off platform now, even when there's no reason for him to do so in the first place, It causes him to be inaccurate with some of these passes. And it's because he's probably gotten away with it for so long now. And, you know, he's been told by everybody that that's one of his best traits. And I think that Spencer, quite honestly, is relying on that a little bit too much right now. That's just my personal opinion. Again, there's plenty of other things that are going on in the football game that maybe I'm not even seeing. But... Spencer still has got to correct some things. I will give him credit. He bounced back in the third quarter, had a really solid third quarter. I believe threw for 92 to 96 passing yards, including that screen pass for a touchdown to Antoine Wells, and was a little bit more, you know, settled in in the pocket and, you know, was willing to go to his underneath routes a lot more. And, of course, Marcus Satterfield seemed like called a lot more plays where there were a lot more routes or options, I should say, that were anywhere from, you know, 5 to 10, 15 yards. So credit on both ends with both Spencer Rattler and Marcus Satterfield in that regard. They did manage to right the ship in terms of the passing game enough in the second half to help out Marshawn Lloyd, who just continues to go off in these games. I'm going to tell you all something right now. Marshawn Lloyd is probably the most talented running back that South Carolina has had since Mike Davis and maybe even Marcus Lattimore. South Carolina has got a superstar caliber running back on this team. There's not a whole lot of other teams in the SEC that can say that. South Carolina can. Obviously, Marshawn Lloyd did phenomenal against Charlotte. He repeated that with another solid performance against South Carolina State with a lot less carries. Of course, the question at that point was, okay, Marshawn, We've seen what you can do against that kind of competition. Now, how do you do against a team like Kentucky? Marshawn just continues to wow me with the plays that he makes. The ball carrier vision that he has, the lower body explosion that he has is just unbelievable. And listen, he's never going to beat a guy in a foot race. He's rarely going to win foot races, at least in terms of maybe taking it for six. He's not going to do that. But in terms of finding open grass, in terms of giving himself a chance to get more yards, I don't know if there's that many other running backs in this conference that are better than Marshawn Lloyd. He is one of the best in this conference. If he gets help up front enough, then Marshawn Lloyd's going to make defenses pay for the rest of this season. And I think that the SEC has been put on notice now. Marshawn Lloyd is not a running back to underestimate in this offense. Marshawn Lloyd, once again, continuing to really help this offense along as they try to find a groove near the halfway mark in this season. Going to the play calling now. 
a lot of times where this offense is going into tempo, I'm noticing that Marcus Satterfield seems to lean more towards running plays when going into tempo. And I can understand that. And admittedly, like I just mentioned earlier, you got Marshawn Lloyd at running back. I can understand why you want to run the football more. But I have to admit, I think that he's being a little bit too predictable in those particular circumstances. There was a couple times where they went up tempo and did not huddle up on offense. And that very play would wind up just being maybe a simple inside zone handoff to Marshawn Lloyd. And Kentucky would read it perfectly. They saw this on a third and two in the second half later in the contest when the Gamecocks were trying to drive and sort of put the final nail in the coffin. I believe it was 14 to seven. They were driving down the field. It was like a seven minute drive, but they only got a field goal out of it, partly because of that. The same deal with fourth down. Fourth and two was the same exact thing going back into the first half. South Carolina was on Kentucky's side of the field. They went for it, but it got completely blown up. There was just too many guys in the box for Kentucky for South Carolina to decide to just do another you know, inside zone type of run there. I think that Marcus Saffield probably needs to do a little bit more in terms of spreading out a little bit and expanding his horizons in terms of these up-tempo, short-yarded situations on third and fourth down. Again, I can understand why he would want the ball to be handed off to Marshawn Lloyd, but you got to throw in a couple wrinkles at some point or else well-coached teams are going to key in on that kind of stuff. Overall, I thought that this offense showed some progress in the second half. The fact that they did so bad in certain spots in the first half, but managed to rebound and really and truthfully have a few solid drives against what is a really solid Kentucky defense. Look, this is not a slouch defense. This is one of the top defenses in the SEC, at least top half in this conference. So for South Carolina to rush for almost 180, 190 rushing yards... That is a positive in my mind. The fact they were able to make adjustments, they did not panic at all. They knew that they had this game in hand because of what the defense did, which I'll touch on in a few minutes, and they were able to convert when they needed to. Third down, last thing I'll mention before heading into this first break. South Carolina did phenomenal on third down in this game. Spencer Rattler deserves a lot of credit. I know I said what I said earlier, and that's been giving constructive criticism, but he does deserve credit for this. He was extremely clutch on some of these third down attempts for South Carolina. South Carolina had some pretty deep attempts. Third and 11, third and nine, third and seven. Again, against a really well-coached defense that is the Kentucky Wildcats. And Spencer Rattler at times had to run out of the pocket and make something happen, and he did just that. Josh Fan came up big on a couple of plays. Jaheim Bell came up big on a couple of plays. Antoine Wells came up big on a couple of plays. Multiple guys were involved on Saturday night. I think that's another really big positive takeaway from this game on the offensive side of the ball. So again, overall, this offense is still a work in progress. They're by no means perfect, and it has not been perfect for the majority of this season. They've yet to put a complete four quarters together, even these lower-level competition-type games. But they did what they had to do to win the game at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, that is what is most important. So that is what the offense did against Kentucky. So how did the defense perform against the Wildcats and that vaunted rushing attack that is spearheaded by Chris Rodriguez Jr. I'll talk about that in just a couple of moments. But first, I need to talk to y'all about Simply Safe, who is one of the sponsors for the Locked On Podcast Network. Listen, 
Over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. And there's a good reason why each of those people have done this because Simply Safe is using cutting edge technology that's powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents that can catch maybe that raccoon that's been going through your garbage recently and leaving a mess in the driveway for you to have to clean up. But on a serious note, they protect your home whether you're there or on the go. And I don't know about y'all, but I would definitely want a security system that is set up like that. It's 24-7 professional monitoring system will alert Simply Safe agents on a moment's notice when any threat is caught on their HD cameras, and they'll dispatch police or any first responders in an emergency using proprietary advanced response technology to confirm whether the threat is real or not. Simply Safe also has advanced sensors for every room, window, and door in your house, which can not only detect criminal threats, but also threats inside the home, like a fire breaking out because you forgot to set the timer on the oven when you were cooking those pierogies. Or it could be pizza rolls, whatever it is you like to bake in the oven, along with natural disasters and other threats inside your home. So what are you waiting for? Go customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more because there's no safe like Simply Safe. Welcome back to today's special game recap edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so we talked about how the offense performed against the Kentucky Wildcats this past Saturday night. Now let's talk about how the defense did. My overall point and my overall observation with the defense from Saturday night was they did what they should have done against a backup quarterback, and they slowed down Chris Rodriguez Jr. enough to help this team win this football game. In terms of execution, I will say this. Rich Scangrello definitely tried to do a lot of eye candy in terms of the jet motion that was utilized in this Kentucky pro-style offense on Saturday night. And there was a few times where this eye candy did end up working. There was one play where Kentucky sort of ran a power-blocking run scheme to one side of the field, but Kaya Sheeran ended up tossing the ball to Chris Rodriguez Jr., I believe, going to the opposite side of the field. Basically, the blocking scheme completely threw off the first two levels of defenders. All those guys were running to that side, assuming that's where the ball was going because that's the way they're coached, and were shocked when they looked back and saw, oh, geez, Chris Rodriguez actually has the football, and then had to retrace and try to come back, and it ended up getting a pretty big gain for Kentucky. Kentucky would run that play later on in the football game. I believe it was the second quarter, and Kai Sheeran would this time fake the toss. All the defenders were going to the side in which the ball was fake tossed to, and that included all the defenders back in the defensive backfield, and it left a Kentucky wide receiver wide open in the end zone for an easy touchdown where Kentucky tied the game at seven points apiece. And I noticed this a lot in this game. And listen, I'm not going to make it out like this is easy stuff to sift through. Obviously, the way modern offenses are now in college football, there is a lot of eye candy that is involved with pre-snap motion, with sort of some opposite blocking schemes, counteracting what the actual play is that's being run, stuff of that nature. And clearly, that is a lot for a defense to have to digest in just a couple of seconds to start a play. But 
The defense is going to have to try to find a way to sort of work around this. If that means that maybe they don't work on their reactions as much, maybe they just kind of shoot on through gaps, then that's something that might have to be looked at. But obviously with the kind of defense that's being run right now, I don't think that's something that would be exactly implemented overnight. Just saying it's an observation. It could be something that comes back to haunt this team a little bit in another game down the line. Um, Guys that played really well in this game. David Spaulding, first game back. Made a humongous impact for this team. Was playing safety all night. Believed that he played the majority of the snaps for this team. And got this game off to a rocking start at the beginning of this football game. When he went right in between what was supposed to be a reverse sweep handoff between Chris Rodriguez and a Kentucky wideout. And David Spaulding quite literally got like his hand, his helmet. He got all the way in there and... Knocked that football loose. Tonka Hemingway runs up, picks up the football, nearly runs it in for a scoop and score, but got tackled at like the two-yard line. Was a humongous play for this South Carolina football team. David Spaulding would make a bunch of tackles and assist in a bunch of gang tackles as the game went along. And I believe he got a really big sack to pretty much end the game towards the end in the fourth quarter. So David Spaulding, kudos to you. Great performance by him on Saturday night. Tonka Hemingway, and I tweeted this out during the football game on Saturday night. I was very impressed with Tonka Hemingway's performance. I thought he was very active. I thought that he did a great job of getting penetration through Kentucky's offensive line, which admittedly is not the best O-line the team's going to face all year, but he did his job. He got penetration. He affected a lot of plays. He got Kai Sheeran rattled at times in the pocket, and he's not the only one. Zach Pickens did a really good job in his matchup, which again, facing Jaeger or Jaeger Burton, who was a redshirt freshman, I mean, he had to dominate that matchup, and he pretty much did. Jordan Birch made some plays. Gilbert Edmond made some plays. The Gamecocks got production from everyone up front in the starting defensive line, which was really, really good to see. Guys did a really good job rallying to the football. Again, it sounds like a big cliche when these football coaches say this, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But listen, if there's one running back that this kind of statement would ring true for, it would definitely be for Chris Rodriguez Jr. This guy is a low to bring down. He's still got over 100 yards, I believe, on 22 or 24 carries on Saturday night. Now, the reason why the Gamecocks were able to stifle this offense enough was because they did not allow Chris Rodriguez to gash them very often for more than 10 yards. Yeah, Rodriguez got himself, you know, six yards here, eight yards here, maybe another five yards here, three yards there. He he got plays like that the majority of the night, and I don't believe there was one real negative play against Chris Rodriguez. Listen, on most running backs, you would say that wasn't a good night. Against Chris Rodriguez, who I can guarantee y'all is going to be playing in the NFL starting next year, and some NFL team is really going to love him because of the way that he runs, the style in which he has at tailback, that is a good night. I'm going to be completely honest. That is a good night against Chris Rodriguez. Now look, linebackers at times did not give themselves enough leverage when they ran up in a gap and had a free one-on-one opportunity to take him down. So obviously, you know, that's something that you could point back to and say, hey, we could use this as a coaching point in practice. You can definitely do that. But Chris Rodriguez is just not a guy many guys can tackle one-on-one. So the Gamecock defense clearly got that message last week. I'm sure the coaches emphasized that a lot in the film room and whatnot. And they were all rallying to the football. Three, four, five guys, more often than not, were surrounding Chris Rodriguez at the end of plays when they were tackling him. So that was a very good thing to see as well. In terms of the play calling, 
Uh, there was a lot of man coverage that was called in this game, which quite frankly is something that should not have been a shock to most people who understands sort of this kind of situation. When you have a backup quarterback that's playing for a particular football team, you got a young guy. He's never played any legitimate college snaps. Apparently he had played two snaps prior, but it was basically in garbage time against, I would assume, lower level competition, not against an SEC East football team. And so because of that, listen, the best way to affect a quarterback is we're going to put our corners right on your receivers. You know, your receivers might win their share of one-on-ones at times, but the thing is, we're going to expect that those windows are going to be extremely tight. So unless you could stay cool, calm, and collected back there with all these guys that are just bombarding you in the defensive front and be able to throw the ball with some pinpoint accuracy like Will Levis can do at times, then we're not going to change up our coverage for the most part. And besides you know, third and long, obvious third down passing situations where they did go into some soft zone. Clayton White, you know, he just did the smart thing. He called a lot of man press coverage and basically just said, try to throw the ball and beat us. See what you can do. And the answer at the end of the day was they couldn't do a whole heck of a lot. Which I will say, Kai Sheeran did have some solid moments for Kentucky at quarterback. I mean, it was his first ever start in a really pivotal football game. So, not maybe the most fair situation to fully assess his skill set. But obviously, South Carolina's defense as a coaching staff did exactly what they should have done. And they made life really difficult for him on Saturday night. Going back to the D-line real quick, I thought they did a really good job in terms of narrowing down the gaps for Chris Rodriguez. Which I thought was a reason why... At times, Chris Rodriguez had an issue breaking loose and breaking some really long runs against this defense. Look, again, it was not always pretty. There were certainly some times where there was really big holes that were open for Chris Rodriguez. But for the most part, when South Carolina sort of figured out sort of which guys that maybe won it in this football game up on the defensive line, there was not exactly a whole lot of free space, a lot of free real estate in those gaps up front. And again, there were times for Chris Rodriguez just because of how talented he is, the way he runs, the way he drives his feet constantly, was able to turn out a couple of extra yards and maybe even squirm on through completely because, again, he's just that powerful of a running back. But they made it a lot more difficult for him. That was the main goal for this defense going into this game, and they accomplished that overall, which helped the Gamecocks win this game 24-14. So what you might be sitting here and wondering now is, well, it's great that the Gamecocks got this win against Kentucky. It's a humongous win. What does it do for the team going forward, heading into a bye week? I'm going to talk about all that in just a few moments. But before I do so, I need to talk to you all about another one of our sponsors in Bet Online who is one of the sponsors for today's show. BetOnline is your number one source for football betting info this season, where you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and analysis on every game you could possibly find. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute score updates for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including the Major League Baseball postseason, which is about to kick off the divisional round for the National League and the American League. You've also got mixed martial arts, boxing, and golf. So head on over to Bet Online on your personal computer or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 
minutes. All right, so I've talked about how the Gamecocks managed to get it done against the 13th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats this past Saturday night, moving up to 4-2 and two, and now 1-2 and two in conference play halfway through the season. So now that the Gamecocks have reached the halfway mark, what does this win mean for this team going forward? Well, obviously, we're going to learn a lot about this team in the next couple of weeks. Look, this is the first three-game winning streak that the Gamecocks have had in any way, shape, or form in football since 2017. This was the first road win in conference for this team since Shane Beamer took over before the 2021 football season. This is the Gamecocks' first win against a ranked opponent since Shane Beamer took over in the 2021 football season. So the point being is, there was a lot of firsts or a lot of streaks that got snapped with this win against Kentucky. So now, the question is this. The Gamecocks are going to have some time off this next week, heading into the bye, and then we'll face the Texas A&M Aggies in Week 8 at home in Columbia, South Carolina. How is South Carolina going to handle this? I will say this personally. I don't think that this is a win that's going to get to the guys' heads at all. This is a veteran team. This is a very experienced team with a lot of leadership in this starting group especially. So I do not see this football team allowing this win to sort of carry over into the Texas A&M game where they're going to rest on their laurels. I don't think that's going to happen at all. According to what Coach Shane Beamer said at his Sunday teleconference call last night with the local media, including myself, he did say that the team is going to practice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week, and then they're going to have a break, of course, with fall break coinciding with that from the University of South Carolina. So this team is going to get a lot of time to rest. That's obviously one big positive from this bye week that's taking place. They have a lot of momentum and confidence now coming out of this game. And again, the big positive that I take away from this game against Kentucky is that South Carolina, despite the fact they once again did not play a perfect four quarters of football, they managed to find a way to win the football game. They did what they had to do in terms of making adjustments to get things done. That is something that you should take away as a positive. That is something that good football teams should find a way to do. Again, I understand they did not play against Will Levis. Will Levis does not play all 22 positions for Kentucky. He's not a guy that was trying to stop Marshawn Lloyd from rushing for over 100 yards on South Carolina's end, okay? So Kentucky fans, don't even try to come in here with that. But the point being, this is a big win for this program. This is a positive sign in terms of maybe the trajectory of this program as of right now. I do think that maybe the fan base needs to be careful and not looking at this game. As you know, this is officially the turning point for this program. I think that's a little bit far-fetched to think that way right now. Obviously, the football team and the staff should definitely enjoy this win. They earned this one for sure. But again, they cannot allow this to sort of get to their heads and make them think that, you know, Full progress is being made. And Coach Beaver did mention, of course, after the game that he knows there's still a lot of work to be done. And trust me, there is. The offense could have done way better in the first half. The defense, if they are facing a quarterback that could have maybe been more of a threat in the passing game against them, how does that sort of change the outcome and the dynamic and flow of this football game? Again, there's no doubt if Will Levis had played Listen, we have to face facts. It definitely would have changed things in this football game. This defense would have had to respect that more. Would have made it harder to sort of game plan around this offense. So when South Carolina faces teams like Tennessee 
in Week 12, like Clemson in Week 13. Missouri looks like a better team than I originally thought they were going to be after what they've done the last couple weeks. Florida has talent. The question is, can they put it all together for a complete 60 minutes? They managed to, of course, knock off Utah, but they've had sort of some slow, sluggish games against teams like Missouri, against a team like South Florida in Week 3, I believe. So, there's still some good teams left on this schedule for South Carolina. It is not going to get any easier, which is why this win was such a big one. South Carolina gets some much needed momentum. Again, it's a confidence booster, and they now understand what it is that they can do. They now have a game where they can look at it and say, you know something, we did not play lower-level competition. The other team didn't have to make a bunch of mistakes over and over and over again throughout the entire ball game for us to win. We went out there, and we earned it. They did. South Carolina earned that. That's what the players should be thinking coming out of this game. So that is where the Gamecocks are going to go from here in my eyes. I think that this game will definitely serve as a confidence booster for the rest of this season. What do y'all think about this game? How did you feel about it overall, both on offense and defense? And what do you think this game is going to do for this team moving forward? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. You can also feel free to shoot me a direct message at A-Line underscore SC on Twitter. I try to respond to every response I get as quickly as I see it. And, of course, if you want to catch up on some of the other SEC teams and how they're doing this football season, go check out Chris Gordy over on Locked On SEC, where he covers the entire conference, all 14 teams, in just 30 minutes. It's a pretty impressive task for him to have to perform every single day. So be sure to follow Chris Gordy over on Locked On SEC. Make him your second listen every day after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But with that being said, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Monday and a good start to the work week, Gamecock Nation. And I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>